What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ashley. We're back again. I am here with the Hus babe. What up, though? He go with his monotone. What up, though? You have joined us again. We're on our Journey of Love podcast. We are continuing our Family Edition series. Super, super excited about this series. Aren't you excited, babe? Yeah. We got some uh, good storytelling and some good info and some knowledge. Yes. Some of that wisdom. Yes. As old folks say, wisdom. (laughs) I think sometimes it's always good to go backwards in order to go forward. I think sometimes you just have to take some lessons from, you know, your past. Mm -hmm. Learn from them so that you're better in the future. So that is part of the reason why we did our family um, edition series where we're just kind of looking at our upbringing, our different upbringings and how they affected how we view love, family and relationships. So today, special guests, we have my father, Joseph Thomas. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, what up, what up, what up? How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. Glad to be here. That's What's up, Pops? So hey. <laughs> you looking good in that cowboy shirt over there. You right. Lord, there you go with that America. cowboy stuff. What's your team again? I, I'm a dirty bird. Born and raised in the ATL. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have a team. I don't really like football. I'm just, you know, cheerful whoever. I guess I'm a Cowboys fan when I'm with my husband and whoever fan when I'm with somebody else. I don't know. But you're living in the ATL, so you're in the right place at the right time with the wrong team. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of backdrop because I know for our listeners who have been listening to us for a while, from previous episodes, you definitely heard me talk about how I was, you know, brought up in a single parent household. Um, so my father and I connected. I was, let me see, I think it was second semester, my freshman year at Hampton University, I want to say. It was somewhere around there. And I, yeah, so it was around, I was around 19 years old. When my father and I connected and um, we reconnected in a weird way from my perspective, because simply I, my intention when I reached out was because my father was in the military, which he'll tell you a little bit about himself in a second. And long story short, I need insurance and my insurance was out. <laughs> and so I called, I got his number, called my mother, asked her if she had his information and he, she did. And I simply called him, and I remember leaving you a voicemail. And the voicemail, I know, was very curt, very short. And I remember it saying, hey, this is actually your daughter, just in case you forget. I need this form filled out. You can send it to this address. There's no need to call me back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't remember that? No, I don't remember that. I remember that. <laughs> that was the voicemail. Okay. I wasn't expecting a call back. Um I got a call back. I was on my way to calculus class because I had a test that day, which I had to take the test over because I was so distracted. I couldn't remember no formulas. <laughs> you were distracted off the phone call? Yes, I was because I, was, I wasn't expecting to call back. Hmm. So he called me back and we had a brief conversation as I headed to calculus class. And I got a like I said, I got a calculus. I couldn't remember nothing. Oh, Lord, she needed some milk. Home. I mean, nothing. <laughs> and so my and that's not like me. So my professor was like, "Ah, what's going on?" I said, "Listen, it's a lot going on today. I'm gonna need to reschedule this test." Thankfully, he allowed me to do so because I was the honest student that I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, that was kind of how we, not kind of, that's how we got connected. That was the first point. So I'll pause there. We'll get in deeper into that story. So I'm going to pause just to, again, welcome my dad and, you know, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, what's, what's your life about, what's popping in the streets. <laughs> oh, man. Like I said earlier, you know, I was uh, born and raised uh, in these streets of Atlanta in uh, 1965. In the streets of Atlanta. So I'm one of those uh, old school ATLians uh, back uh-huh. in the day, born and raised, born at Greater Memorial Hospital. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, pretty short, you know, my, my growing up was, uh, you know, from, I guess, from my early childhood to uh, I was about 12, you know, my, my, my parents, uh, especially my father was... Uh, Kind of by my side while I played baseball, basketball, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, he started experiencing some uh, medical issues. Then, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, when I hit twelve, it's like everything stopped. You know, uh, I got I got no support uh, throughout high school. I was very active. Uh, you know, I even had the nickname of Prime Time because I played all three sports and I excelled at them. But you know, when you kind of look up there and you and you never saw your your, your parents. Uh, uh, supporting you uh, through that 12th grade to the 18th. You know, you had that, you know, I had that wishful thing of going to college and, uh, you know, my dad kind of pushed me to the military. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right after high school, you know, I was a pretty much an A student and uh, I should have went to college somewhere and been playing some ball, but I ended up in, in the Navy uh, somehow because, I, you know, my daddy said, so you're going to join the Navy and see the world? And, you know, I was really terrified of my father. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I joined the Navy and, you know, I went to a, a big old aircraft carrier. And, you know, I, that's where I met uh, uh, Ashley's uh, mother, Renee. Uh, you know, I met her. Uh, we was in the shipyards in Newport News. Uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, really wasn't looking for a relationship. You know, you, you're really young in the military. And most military young guys, you know, you go out. You'll find a girl and, you know, then you'll jump to, 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 to the next girl. So, you know, I was very immature. Really never only had one girlfriend uh, while I was in high school. Wasn't the one who went out and had that wild sex. Never drove until I was, like, really 19 and a half. So, you know, I met her and, uh, you know, unexpectedly, uh, you know, the relationship started out great. Um, I guess after five or six months, uh, you know, by that time I was, uh, you know, uh, we wasn't seeing eye to eye, and uh, we kind of uh, went to our separate ways until um, one day I got a call and said uh, I was pregnant, and I was kind of surprised. And you kind of sit back and like, okay, really, you know, you know, she's seeing somebody uh, on the side, and you know, a lot of things go through your mind, and you just don't want at the time you really want to deal with it, and you go to court, and, and they say it's yours. Uh, to make a long story short. Uh, there, there are things that you do back when you're young, but when you're older, you know, you start hitting your 40s, 45, you kind of wonder why you did those things. Uh, and you know all those things were wrong. But at the time, when you kind of look back, you're like, you know, what were you thinking when you did these things? So the things that I uh, did wrong, I try to let my children do the same mistakes. Uh, you know, Ashley and her mom, they did a wonderful job raising her. You know, I, I sent, you know... You kind of look back, and I see some of the issues that we had, and I don't want to go back and make any excuses and be long-winded. Uh, I know it's several times I wanted to reach out. My main concern was, you know, I had got married. 
my, you know, my first wife uh, didn't see eye to eye, uh, I guess, with her mother. And probably for some reasons or she thought that I was trying to hook up, connect with her. And every time I wanted to reach out to her, it was like, you know, some total resistance from that. So you don't want to rock the boat at the home. And you kind of like, okay, well, I have uh, a life here. And, and, and so you, you do things or you make the wrong decisions because you don't want to rock the boat. And, you know, when you look back now and you see yourself like, what the heck was I thinking? And I talked to a lot of young gentlemen who was in the same situation in the Navy as they go through the same thing. And I kind of sit them down and tell them, hey, don't make this mistake because 15 and 20 years from now, you're going to be saying the same thing about what you should have did and the things that you missed. And you kind of like, hey, how did high school go? And so you missed all those days, even though I missed uh, uh, my son's uh, events because I was in the Navy and way a lot. So uh, you get to the point of you're already missing your kids at home because you're already in the Navy. So you're so Ashley, who's with her mom, you know, she's in the same situation, but, you know, I'm still missing the other kids. So you kind of look back like, well, you know, I'm missing everyone grow up. So, you know, everybody's the same. But you look back and again, you see how wrong it was. So. I see the mistakes I made, and uh, I tried to learn from them. And uh, before I turn back over to Ashley and we continue this, the one of my main issues was, you know, when I definitely when I reconnected uh, uh, back with Ashley, uh, you don't want to say the wrong thing, you know. So you kind of you're, you're real quiet, you know. What do I say? You know, if I say this, it's gonna she's not gonna call back for another couple of minutes. I mean, a couple of months or, you know, even a year. So you kind of really reserved on what you really want to say because you don't want to go back to those deep, dark days or you don't even want to talk about it. So when Ashley asked me to do this segment, I said, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now. You know, maybe I can help someone not make the same mistake. So she asked me this. You know, my first thing was like, yeah, hey, yeah, this is my daughter, I, you know. I wasn't there for her in a younger age. I need to do this, even though I don't want to do this and put myself out here to the world. But, you know, maybe we can bind ourselves closer after this, or maybe I can help somebody else in this same boat. Well, you know, time heals all wounds. Uh, well, that's that's the saying, but uh, sometimes that's... Uh, that's if you, you know, put an effort to it. I was just about to it. say, you got to yeah, put, you gotta put the effort to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, as you was talking... It sounds like all the stories are true about, you know, guys in the Navy and the Army and all that. Just out there, just <laughs> young and impressionable and just <laughs> get this, this tail out here. And then you just, okay, I'm back on this ship. And then it's like, okay, you're trying to leave it behind. But, you know, okay. Yeah, okay. you know, I, I think uh, the Navy as an organization is, is, is changing from mm-hmm. when I came in in the oh, early sure. 80s. You know, you had a lot of... Uh, drug use back then you had a lot of alcohol usage and you know i stayed away from that uh, you know i never drank I, I never had any alcohol but you know one of the main reasons why i pretty much stayed away from that, even though i saw my navy buddies doing it was because you know my upbringing was you know i saw a lot of drug and alcohol usage mm-hmm. uh, in, in my house so when you've seen that growing up and, and your parents you know too much alcohol and your brothers and sister uh, use of drugs. It just made me look at myself and say, that's something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, my upbringing was, uh, 
what was kind of hard. Uh, but, you know, I was still at home with my two parents. So I still had a definite advantage on people who were had single parents. So mm-hmm. I can't complain about that. So I, you know, still had uh, two to three squares a day. And I still had a lot better than uh, most kids, even though I would consider my upbringing uh, not normal. Mm-hmm. But it was not normal to me. But if you look at my situation with somebody else, ask them to say, hey, you had a normal upbringing because you had your two parents. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's, you know, it doesn't fit for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, nowadays it's like, what is a normal upbringing besides the ones who are um, uh, privileged? <laughs> yeah because we talked about this in one of the other series like i, I think society just has an idea of what mm-hmm. the norm should be it should be a two-parent household um while i you know somewhat agree with that i somewhat don't because if i had a choice between a toxic two-parent household and a single parent household where is sanity i want sanity mm-hmm. you know <laughs> that's what i want so you kind of have to look at not just the number of parents in the household but you have to look at the entire atmosphere and environment that you're bringing that child up in because if it's chaotic single or together mm-hmm. it's still gonna be a mess right you know mm-hmm. so yeah but i guess that's how society was i mean it society changes you know in the 60s 70s 80s you know you had that two-parent concept right mm-hmm. if you didn't have that no matter how the man treated the woman the woman usually stayed because that was society's answer to family upbringing was mm-hmm. two parents mm-hmm. you know it started changing in the early 2000s like hey wait a minute you know i can do this all by myself mm-hmm. and i want to bring a relationship in here to bring out my kids so you know society kind of tell us which way to go and we kind of sometimes follow society instead of doing the right thing for that family member. Mm-hmm. right and i think also going into i guess this new decade we're about to go into you know we're you know i guess you know our millennial age we're trying to change the narrative you know and say you know yes the old school way might not been the right way you know because you know that's kind of was embedded in us no you got to do this you got to do this you got to do this because that's what we did Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. was taught and you know society has changed and you know as we get older we can't we tend not to like change so you know it's that that on you know that ongoing struggle of you know trying to change with new breed with the old school that that is exactly right and you hit the uh hammer on the nail and then you know that age of 18 or 34 you know you guys you want to change the world mm-hmm. and when you get that age of you know in your mid 40s and early 50s you don't like change so mm-hmm. much you you like structure hey this is the way it was and this is the way it always been. You know, if you worked at Sears and Roebucks or you worked at Microsoft, you did that for 30 years. And you did, you no know, matter what happened, you did it for 30 years to take care of your family and you did not venture out for it. Mm-hmm. The millennials, uh, you know, again, that 18 to 34 year group, it's, it's changing the way we do things, the outcome. And, it, and it's really hard for someone my age to kind of look back and like, you know, what are you doing? But Living know, life. Yeah, living exactly. You guys are you guys are living traveling. (laughs) We doing us. Guarantee us. My friends, my age, we're looking at you on social media like, what's she at again? And we kind of look back at our lives when you guys are doing that. Like, wait a minute, 
why wasn't we doing that when it I have no clue. Mm-hmm. I don't know why y'all won't. Exactly. <laughs> 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 we was always structured. That's what we did. We stayed home. And we made the money for the family. And we did things that was inside that box. And we never thought outside that box. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you guys age. I look at you all the time. And I was like, I'm like, wow. It just is. Uh, sometimes it's just overwhelming seeing you guys on social media. And see how you've evolved, uh, even having a single parent household, how you evolved over the years and how you overcame some of your struggles yeah. and obstacles. I kind of sit back and like, hey, I wish I was there so she had somebody else to lean on to overcome some of the obstacles, especially when she got out of high school, 16 to 17 in college. And, you know, and, you know, you regret it, but you try to move on and, and, and do the right thing and you try to change yourself. But uh You've grown into a beautiful young lady, and you know, and I'm Thank very you. proud of you. Thank you. Oh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't hurt having a good husband too. <laughs> yes. God bless with a good husband. So you mentioned a little bit about your upbringing and how um, you consider it to be a little rough. So could you tell us what or how your family expressed love towards one another, and like what you kind of gleaned and what you learned, and how you then expressed towards other people. My family, uh, again, there was no expression of love. Okay. So no, no hugs and I love yous, none of that? N- none of that. Okay. Uh, now I know my mom's not going to listen to this that podcast. That seemed to be the so. trend, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was... Uh, I don't love you, nigga. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was hard. It was one of those days you kind of remember uh, you're getting up. And, you know, my dad made just enough. In my household, with my mom, combined income of not having a free lunch. We were just above that line, that middle class, so I had to pay for my lunch. So there was plenty of times that I went without because my dad didn't leave my lunch money. My mom didn't leave it, and you know, and I was I would go to school hungry, and I would go to football. I would go to all my sports throughout the year. Most of the time, I never ate lunch. I would get home like seven at night. So the last time I had eight was like maybe seven at night until seven, you know, get morning. So I would go 24 hours, four to five times a week without eating somebody. You know, that's why I was a little six foot skinny guy because you know, I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't gain any weight because I wasn't eating mm-hmm. and no one was paying attention. There were several times when uh, my daddy was uh, very, very abusive. Uh, he was abusive to my uh, two older sisters, uh, my brother. Uh, you know, he drank. My mom abused alcohol. Uh, you know, my brother, my older brother, who's two years senior than me, he abused alcohol. He abused drugs. I remember several times he used to come home and he was on one of his high binges. And my dad used to get him and put him in the uh, bathtub and, you know, put him in the shower and run the water. And he's cussing him out. And, and you kind of remember all those things. And so you see all that and, and you want to stray away from you just mm-hmm. you know you're scared in your own home you know my dad used to lock up we used to have a, a second refrigerator outside where he used to keep the sodas yeah the sweets but he used to lock it up on a locker and it's like okay you can eat it but no one else can eat your sweets and i'm here as a kid like you know this can't be right i can't i can't eat the sweets or the sodas because he's locking them up my mom's trying to you know to be on my side that says, hey, that's not right. And, it, you know, that fight becomes that. And, and you know, you're in your room and you hear your parents fighting. And, 
and you just kind of ball up in your room, you know. So that's kind of lifestyle uh, I, I grew up in, and, mm-hmm. and you know, when you know, I joined the Navy at eighteen. Uh, you know, I said earlier, I was in the Navy for thirty-four years. Within that time, no one in my family member never sent me one letter. I repeat, one letter. Uh, you know, it was kind of hard when you know you had that mail call and people getting gifts. And, uh, you know, that's just the way my family was. You know, we get, the only time we really got together is when we had a funeral. And every time we have a funeral, it's always I'm the one that's doing the speeches. I'm the one that's trying to bring everyone together because of the mistakes that I made. So I'm trying to tell everybody, hey, this is not right. We got to do this better. And, and you know, you, you try your best. So so answer your question, you know, you know my, my childhood was uh, not fun. But then again, I had a roof on my head, mm-hmm. and I had food to eat at times, especially on the weekend. I would try to make up, make up for it, or I would usually leave on that Friday and get on the first bus and go to my grandma. Because one thing about my grandma, she gonna have she food. Gonna she gonna cook. <laughs> and she gonna have food for days. She didn't have much, but you know she, you know she got her government cheese and her food stamps, so she always had food. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was on the weekend and. and then, you know, on Sunday night, I got to go back home. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm going back to this. So that's how I, that's kind of how my lifestyle was uh, so, in my early teens. So where did you, um, so where did you develop the, okay, this is love? Was it somebody? Was your grandma was the one that was giving it to you? You had to give it somewhere. Well, uh, no. Did you just learn by trial and error? Like, man, I should I be just, saying I love you and I should be. I just learned by Old 80s movies? I mean, yeah, you would you would see some movies. You would see people make certain mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really had a mentor that tells me, hey, this is what you should be doing. I just did what I thought was right and what I saw in the movies or what I heard from somebody. Because I wasn't the type of person who, I was very outgoing, but I'm not going to ask you about what I should be doing. Because everybody always looked up to me and thought I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't because I was always had that face on fooling everybody especially in the navy because i worked so hard and they thought i had my stuff together but once i left that job i didn't have it together but i didn't want anybody to know it mm-hmm. so you know i guess i was had that joker that poker face on that mm. just pretty much fooling people fake that, it till you make it yeah, yeah fake it till you make it <laughs> That was me, and, and, and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it worked to a certain extent, but right, uh, knew how to play the game. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to take another question? Or you want me to chime on in? Oh no, you good? Okay. No, oh, okay. I, I felt I felt the question coming from you. I was like, "Oh, is, mm-hmm. is it one simmering?" <laughs> <laughs> I felt. Should I be saying more? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I guess my question to you would be: Before you and I connected, what um, were your feelings towards me? Even though, like, you never spent time with me mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like, was there? Um, did you love me before you met me? Or like, what was that feeling like? What was that like? Was it just like a, oh, I wonder what she's doing? Or, you know, is she walking yet? Is she talking yet? Like, like what, what was that like? Good question. Good question. I, I don't think there's one day that didn't go by. I was always wondering what you were, what you were doing. 
how you doing in school when you got older, what boyfriends you were doing. You know, I was trying to be a good husband and good father uh, to the kids, uh, to, you know, two boys that I was growing up with. And, you know, I always wanted that girl to be with me because I always looked around like, God, it would be great to have a daughter here with me 24-7. And y- you're missing all those things. There was, every night, I'm one of the, I'm one of the type of people that, that say their prayers every single night. Mm-hmm. And every single night, I just say a prayer about you, you know, have the, the Lord to cover you and, and, and to keep you safe. And, you know, I always ask them, hey, to bring us together. But... I wasn't doing anything to bring us together. Even though I was asking the Lord to bring us together, my actions were saying different because mm-hmm. I was always, if I reached out and I talked to your mom and say, hey, I wanted this, I know it was going to be, it, it, it was, the outcome wasn't going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I kind of used that as an excuse. like, well, if I asked her if I want to bring her in the summer, you know, she's going to take me through the ringer and she's not going to do this. And and being in the Navy, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep it 100. Uh, you know, kind of being in the Navy, and especially when I became an officer, you don't want people, like, calling your command, saying, hey, this person is not doing what you're supposed to do. Even though I sent the little child support I never missed, that wasn't a, still wasn't enough. So you kind of look back like, well, I sent her a little child support every month, and that's, that's really nothing, but that's what they told me to send. But I should be doing more, mm-hmm. but, you know. But 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 I didn't. But I just wanted to, as an officer, I, I was always looking clear cut, and you was always, you know, everywhere I went, I was always the only, you know, brown, black skin in, in officer, that particular. Yeah. In mm-hmm. that, so you kind of want to not do things that's going to bring you out because everybody else is always looking at you to make mistakes, or you're you're going to do something like they perceive others to do so i was always kind of use protecting the image yeah I, I was oh yeah i was definitely protecting the image because if i reached out i thought that image would be tarnished mm-hmm. uh because i knew that me and her mom would not get together but we could overcome some of our facts but i just it was I, that I, fear that unknown fear it was that unknown fear mm-hmm. that uh hey if i reach out this is going to be like mm. you know it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, in the back of my mind, I was justified in, you know, not reaching out a lot of times. Yeah, cause, I mean, I guess because it was, you know, comfortable, I would guess. Mm-hmm. And you knew, all right, this is something I can control my end. Mm-hmm. And so you just, okay, stuck with it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's, I can remember a couple of times when, when, I, when I reached out for it. I don't even know if Ashley even know that. Uh, you know, I'll call her mom and, you know, we would uh, get into some heated arguments and I would say, hey, let's meet or, you know, can I do this? Or And there was, you know, there was that, you know, no, well, I'm going to come up, me and my wife. Uh, no, your wife ain't coming with you. You know, my wife is kind of hearing this in the background. If you're going up there, I'm going up there. So you're trying to convince your wife, like, no, let me handle this. No, I'm your wife. If you're going, I'm going. So then again, you're like, okay, I don't want to piss off the wife. And, you know, and, you know, that was my excuse at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I'm going to piss off that this is not going to go well. And, and I remember, I can remember only one instance. Uh, I think Ashley was right around 12 years old. The only memory she remembered this is when I was uh, on the base, 
and her mama brought her up to to the base, and she had got out of the car and I had gave her a hug and then it didn't it didn't go so well and I can't remember the the events, but all I remember is uh, you know, Renee, uh, Ashley getting back in the car and, and leaving, and I, you know I kind of vaguely vaguely remember, you know that day is like okay. Every day is always going to be like this. You know, I, I ain't going to win this situation. And I guess at that point, I was like, you know, I'll just wait till she's 18 and, and, and try to win it. Again, it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it, that was the right answer for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was also trying to protect that image at the, as, as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, how was it after you reconnected? You mean uh, at, at, when she was a freshman in college? When mm-hmm. whatever? Oh, oh man! Challenging. Yeah, it was it, it it was a challenge. Yeah, you know, every time I talked to her, I was like, "Yeah, that's my child," because <laughs> we had the same attitude and stubborn and so stubborn. But I had to hold mine back, and I had to take hers. But it was so hard for me, you know, bite my lips like you know. No, you shouldn't be saying that. Or you shouldn't be doing that. Or you should give me the chance. But I understood her feelings, mm-hmm. so I always held back because, again, when I said it early in the segment, I never wanted to say the wrong thing to her because I think it was going to chase her off, mm-hmm. and it was just it was just so hard. You know, I would talk to her on the phone, then I would after ten minutes, I didn't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a lot of silence because I wanted to protect. Not saying something stupid because mm-hmm. I know that may blow her off, and then I'm gonna lose my daughter for a second time. And I kept on telling myself, "Well, maybe in a couple of years too. I think it'd be better. Maybe she will understand my side and understand. Hey, yeah, hey, I, I screwed this up, but I'm trying to make amendments. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but, but you never know. So it was, it, it was a challenge to say mm-hmm. the least. But you knew it was gonna be a challenge, though. Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. But so, you kind of. I don't. I don't think he probably knew it would be as challenging as it was. Um, he, he probably didn't know. He just. Yeah. It was just I a, mean, he just knew it would be a challenge. I'm just assuming because um, I know I was very difficult, but I was also very hurt, and so I wasn't going to let you in. Like I just wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. So I know it was probably more challenging than you anticipated. And oh. I, and I think you probably endured more. Um, from me because mm-hmm. I was in a place where like no you don't just get to walk back in here and just mm-hmm. pick up and just act like nothing <laughs> happened like you don't get to do that so if you want to be here you want to work for this position like <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you yeah. play basketball he knows <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you know you kind of look at Hollywood Hollywood you know I always have these fairy tale endings that yeah. you know when people get back together but I can I can talk about one time and, you know, again, I, I kind of block out some of the, the bad memories yeah. that I had, but I remember one instance, this was probably, uh, my wife now, we've been together, but married 13, been together, dated for about four years. So I guess it may have been, I think we just got married in 06, I think it was. And I was laying in the bed and I did something wrong on the phone or I said something wrong. I forgot how it was, but I was wrong and I was trying to cover it with my wife, you know, my wife now. Then somehow they got into a a shouting match. She thought somebody else was on the phone and then Ashley 
about something, then her and Ashley blew up, and I was like, but I knew I was wrong when I created it, but I didn't want to, and I'm, I don't know if you even remember. Oh, I remember that. Oh, you did? You did? Absolutely okay. remember okay. that. Okay. And, okay. So Absolutely. She, she probably, so, okay. So, so she remembered that, but it wasn't my present wife. It was, this was my second wife uh, uh, that was there, and you know, again, she's loved by all. She never says something wrong. She's always tried to, to, to get me. She's the one when I got remarried. You need to go to your daughter. You need to do this. You need to get that. You need to do this. You need that. that. Your daughter needs you. So she was always the one that was, was pushing me. And hey, you got a daughter in college, you know, this and that. And, I, you know, so the events that went down, it's like, okay, I was I was so mad. I was like, no one has ever been mad at this, this woman because she's just the sweetest. I remember that event setting me back. Because I was like, you know what, I ain't even going to explain what happened. Mm. Because, and again, I, I, I blacked it out of my mind. So I remember that event setting us back. And I know it took us a couple of years to kind of it did maneuver around that. And I'm, never, I'm glad you admitted that you covered. <laughs> because that's exactly what you did. Yeah. And actually, you gave me an ultimatum. I don't know if you remember that part since you're blocking out stuff. You actually gave me an ultimatum. Okay, what was that? The ultimatum was you told me that I need to stop talking reckless to your wife, even though she started it. And uh, you said, so you, either you stop or this ends. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll end it for you. And I hung up. Uh, that was the ultimatum that was given. Okay. Yep. So okay. that's what said it. I back. definitely blocked that one out. Yep. Yeah. I'm, 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 I remember that vividly. <laughs> yeah, they remember what they want to remember, huh? Wow, that if was she, if, that if, was traumatizing. If she said that happened, to the point, it, I'm sure it happened. to the point that I was in my grandparents' house, and you know, <laughs> I love my grandparents, never do anything to respect them. But mm. to the point, I'm in my grandparents' house cussing. Oh, that was serious. Mm. To the point that my mother could not calm me down. My mother's the one person who can calm me down. Mother could not calm me down. Mm. Livid. Mm. Yeah, she she was she was livid that day, and. So everybody was living. Yeah, that's the only day I've seen Juana get mad, and that's the maddest I ever seen her in my seventeen years. And and it, and it's like two people I love. You know, we, we kind of at it. You know, I, I remember getting off the phone like, "What the heck just happened?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and I was like, if she only knew that this woman, my wife, was on her side. But you kind of like again, you block it off like, hey. You know, hey, I tried and we'll we'll try it again, you know, whenever, whenever she's ready. That's the kind of thing you say. Even though I'm the oldest and I'm a dad, I don't want to shit be pushing more. You know, and and the funny thing about this is when you watch, say, I don't know, some of these court shows, not just Judy, but the rest of the court shows to be on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the absentee fathers come on there and, you know, the kids is like, hey, why you wasn't there? And you kind of looking like, oh man, they talking about me. Mm-hmm. And you see all those shows. You even see them on TV now, mm-hmm. and it kind of brings me back. Uh, but I always try to think about the the good memories and not the bad memories. But uh, uh, but you know, this is uh, 2019, and uh, hopefully we continue to go forward. And and um, you know, I, I I love her. You know, she she's my daughter, and uh, she's my only daughter. So uh, you know. Uh, you know, I love her death. So uh, I made her, me and her mom. So uh, I just want to continue on and live life with her and see her grow. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you got a real dad here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, once you got that over that 
bumpy. Maybe that's too soft. Hilly <laughs> mountain Olympus tumultuous. A <laughs> <laughs> reconnection. Valley. When did you feel? When did you? When did you feel like? Okay, we're we're getting to a steady pace, a steady road here. Okay. Or do you? Or, or do you feel like you have? Yeah. Or I mean, okay, I can I can take you back to the day that I felt. It's probably the happiest day of my life. All right, let me hear this one. <laughs> well, you, you definitely know the date. <laughs> Do you? What's the most important date that you remember? <laughs> <being born? laughs> my wedding day. Okay. <laughs> Your wedding day. Mm-hmm. It was probably, I don't know, three weeks uh, before your wedding day. Me and Ashley had a conversation. And she was straightforward. I know it was hard for her. She was like, you know, I was always wondering like, who's gonna who's gonna walk her down the aisle. Mm. Like, you know, it's, yes. it's gonna it's gonna you know it's gonna be her granddad because he's been there. He's rightfully the one that should uh, walk her down. And I was like, okay, I just gotta get I just gotta get through this and used to it and just get over me and say, oh, well, he's definitely one that should walk her down. And and I can get the first dance. I'm like, you know, I, I said to myself, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that day she called me, but she. Hold on, time out, time out, time out. Would you have been fine either way? Yes, because I had got to that point that I was like, "Hey, this is her day. Mm-hmm. This is the the day she's gonna remember for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, graduating from high school or college or anything. When mm-hmm. she walks in the aisle and get married, this is the day she's gonna remember the most. So I was fine with it, and I thought he was more deserving. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked through it with my wife too. I said, you know what? This is the time I wish things were different because I should I should be walking her down, but I haven't earned the right mm-hmm. uh, to walk her down. Even though you're the father, you, you didn't earn. You still got to earn that right, and I hadn't earned the right, so I, I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. But the day I decided, was well, she decided I was going to walk walk her down the aisle, boy. Woo, woo. <laughs> you're, okay, you're, you was like, well, I was. You know what? That's <laughs> what my wife says all the time. You know, look at God, and that's the first thing she said. <laughs> look at God, okay? And she looked at me and like, don't screw this up. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, uh, you know. That was definitely a guy moment. Because um, if it was left up to me, I don't know if it would have worked out that way, to be honest. So um, that whole day was just God-ordained in ways that I don't think a lot of people really know. Um, I just want to piggyback off your question, babe, where you were asking, like, when it smoothed out. So, I know for me, um, we had, as we've already stated, a a rocky start. And it was a long start. And me and you went back and and forth. I don't necessarily want to say fighting. Maybe intense debates. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> for years. Um, all right, we were both stubborn. Um, we were both going to get our point across. And we both felt the way that we felt, and it wasn't changing. And there were a lot of times where throughout that process, I would just get so frustrated. And I'm like, I am done. Like, I'm done. And I don't know if this will surprise you or not. My mother was always the one that's like, that's your father. You have to work on I'm like, I don't have to do nothing. Stay black and die. That's all I got to do. Okay? I ain't got to do none of that. 
<laughs> true tea, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was really the one that's like, all right, you got to work through all that. You got to work through this. You got to work through that. You got to work through that. So, my mother was a big part as to why I was or I was interested in keep pursuing the situation. Um, and I think for me, that whole period, because this, this was years, 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 and years that we were going back and forth. It was a time of growth for me because, um, honestly, I had this idea of what a father should be based on my grandfather, based on what I've seen, you know, from my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, TV always plays a part in that. And so when you came back in my life and you didn't match up to the expectations that I had set of what a father should be. That pissed me off further because uh-huh. it's like, well, you're not even doing like, what are you doing? You ain't doing nothing. Um, so it was that having to one, get rid of those, the unrealistic expectations and to really come to a place where I accept you for the person that you are at face value. Um, that took a long time for me and to really understand that um because i know i always told you that i crave authenticity and i always told you that i needed you to be real in order for this to work and you already spoke about you know the image that you were trying to uphold and do all that that never sat well with me and i know that was we went back and forth a couple of times about that too it's like i'm not dealing with your image and the one quote that i always love is that you should never be a public success and a private failure and that quote is powerful to me because I'm like, all right, here you are, the successful African-American man in the Army in a high-ranking position. But I mean, Navy, I said Army. You know, mm. I done switched whole service. <laughs> it's all military. In the Navy. <laughs> in the Navy. And, but I'm like, but your relationships are a mess. So for me, from my perspective, it's like I can never show you the respect that the other, the other people are showing you because – I know the background behind that and I, I see the facade and this is not working for me, you know? Um, so there were a lot of things that I had to kind of work through. Even when Fillmore and I started dating, there were times where I would get off, like we would have a conversation. I would get off the phone with you and I'd just be pissed. I'd be like, I, can't, I just can't, like, he's just annoying me. He's not doing this, this, this. And I would take that out on Fillmore. And so one time Fillmore just set me down. He was like, babe, listen, you cannot do this. Like, you have to just forgive for real, for real, once and for all. Because I did notice once he pointed out to me that every time that I would have a conversation, and it's not necessarily that we had a bad conversation. Mm -hmm. It was just that I still had certain expectations in my mind that weren't being met. Mm -hmm. And I would take that out on him. And one of the things that helped me to get to really a point of forgiveness was I had to understand that this was closer to when you and I were getting married, Phil. So forgiveness was going to be a huge part of the marriage, a huge part of it. And that I have to always be in a state of forgiveness because at the end of the day, nobody is perfect. Everyone's going to make mistakes, intentional or unintentional. It's going to happen. And so I think at that point was the really time where I really had to really learn how to be, how to authentically forgive and not just say, yeah, I forgive you, but to really forgive. And so by him pointing my reactions out, 
I had to deal with that. And in turn, I was able to for real, for real, forgive you. And not that fake forgiveness that I thought I had already given you. So I know that was huge for me. Um, the whole process, it was like I said, it's just a lot of life lessons. And I think a part of why I went on so long, again, because we were both stubborn. Nobody was bending. Anybody who knows me, no, I do not be, and I'm not. And if I do, I'm not going to be the first one. <laughs> Hold on. You'll be in first, mm-hmm. and then I might consider it. So, <laughs> so um, I said all that to say that who's ever listening is that forgiveness is going to be a huge part of any relationship, but specifically if it's dealing with um, an absentee father who hasn't been there. And it has to be true forgiveness um, to not have any expect unrealistic expectations um, for that person and to just let it blossom. Um, so that, yeah, that's what I would say about that. It's hmm. powerful. It is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, me being the one on the outside looking in, you know, the first time I met you, just watching you because I observe a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an observer. Mm-hmm. I instantly was like, mm. <laughs> it was like identical. I was like, mm, that is that is her daddy. <laughs> I was like, that's your that's your daddy. I just I saw so much because you know me knowing you know Renee for so long. Mm-hmm. You know that's all I saw. And yes, I see her so much in her, but it was you know I never met you, so I didn't know you know. What was you liking? But when I instantly when I met you and just saw your character and your mannerism, I was like, "Oh, that that is it. That's where she get it from. Oh. <laughs> That's where that is." <laughs> I can't it, man. Yeah, that, <laughs> I did find it funny that a lot of um, personality traits um, I took from you, and I didn't realize that until, of course, we reconnected. Even my brother, <sighs> we acted like in some ways too. And I just think that's funny how that worked out, considering I wasn't around for 20-plus years, mm-hmm. how that still worked out. But I told you, no one's of times, hey, you just like me. <laughs> and you would always argue with me, like, no, I'm not. I said, you'll figure it out sooner or later. But. <laughs> yeah, you'd be, you'd be surprised. I mean, for a person looking out, you know, on the outside looking in, yeah, she, yeah. She's your baby. (laughs) Sheesh. Some things you'd be telling me, and I'd be like, hmm, that's something you do. (laughs) But what she admitted. That's that's the hard part. Depends depends on what it is. Depends on what it is. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. So, um, what kind of advice would you, you know, you alluded to it earlier? You know, what would you give, you know, what do you say to the young guys who are, you know, been in similar situations as far as, you know, being absentee, trying to reconnect mm-hmm. after you connected the process? So, what you know, what is some things that you advise? You know, I, I, I give you some examples, uh, e- even recent examples. Uh my, uh, my, my youngest son, uh, her brother, uh, Charles. Shout you know, out to Charles. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's kind of like me also, but not as much as Ashley is. Uh, 
he's not married, you know, and he had a child, you know, and I would, you don't know how many times I've uh, talked to Charles and Alessandra Merrill about spending more time with a kid. Don't be the absentee father. That your kids are not living with you, but you need to do this and that because if you don't do it, you're gonna regret it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no excuses. There, there's no making up. So, you either do it now because when they're six, and then all of a sudden you look around, they're twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, where have you been? What have you done? So sometimes we get so focused on our career, trying to pay the bills, trying to uh, to move ahead. We kind of forget the kid that's not actually living with you because mm-hmm. you don't want to kind to mess up what you have at the house or if you know that's again that's not an excuse. So my my biggest advice for her is you have to stay in your kid's life. Mm-hmm. You know I don't care if it's a boy or girl. You have to stay in your kid's life because. You're going to be just like the rest of us old timers. We're going to sit back and like, man, I should have did more of this. And I try to tell even the young guys in the Navy, I saw this, you know, it's happened to them. So, hey, I'm telling you, if you don't do, if you don't spend the time with your kids and and, and, and those times you can never get back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's the biggest advice I can get somebody. And I, I would like to also say is. Don't let anybody come between you and your kids. Okay? Uh, Say it again for the people in the back. Hey, don't <laughs> let nobody become between you and your kids' relationship. Yeah. Okay? For the betterment of, you know, your at-home relationship. Right. You need to have that continuous commitment. Commitment. Okay? Not just a phone call, but you have to have a commitment to be in your child's life because... The only one is losing is that child and you at the end of the day. You know, all these people saying, well, she should have did this. And then, you know, some on her side, well, he should have did that. You two are the only one losing. And, you know, again, no one sent me down to kind of like told me this. You know, my mom's like, well, how's your daughter Ashley doing? I don't know, mama. Just give a call. Why are you asking me? Just call her and Ashley doing. Well, I'm going to call her. So no one reached out to her. I didn't reach out to her. And it really started uh, getting to me when I when, when I married Joanna, because Joanna was the only one that ever pushed me. Like, you need to get in your child's life. You know, she's doing A, B, and C, and half the kids that you know are not doing it, and you see it every day. You need to be in your child's life. I'm just saying. That's all she 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 say that like every week. She'll finish like I'm just saying. And then she'll look at me and she'll walk away. So it was always resonated on me like, Damn, I need to be more. So that's when that pressure started kicking in. Because I probably can say she was probably my mentor. Of, hey, you need to do that. Mm-hmm. You need to be a bigger man. Yeah, she's stubborn. But you know, I raised my kids as a single mom. You need to do this. Because, you know, their fathers wasn't there. They didn't do it. Trust me, you need to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she still said today. So... When you asked that question earlier about a mentor, the only mentor I had was pretty much sitting down with her because she would be the only one to tell me, like, hey, boy, you you screwing this up. Mm-hmm. You know, she would be, you know, my mom wouldn't say it. She the only one that would sit down and tell me. So she's the only one that's pushed me in this right direction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I still got to do it. You can push me, but I still got to make it right. right so right, that's, why right. I, that's why I've been trying to do it. But it's been slow. Okay. I mean, nothing, you know, we're all human. And I think that 
you know, us being human, we all need somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, we got somebody to give us another opinion to look at something on the other side. And, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong that you just got to find somebody that, you know, does it for you. And I'm glad that I'm she was call there. You out. Right. <laughs> right. And that's the bigger thing. That lets you know when they're on your side. Mm-hmm. When call they call you, you out, stuff. tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. You know, to give you a different perspective. You know, so you can have that, that push. Mm-hmm. You know. Because, you know, we can, you know, think in our own head that we're right all the time. But, mm, you me. know. <laughs> that's definitely you know me. but uh sometimes we're not no, he's right mm-hmm. agreed you know, so oh, half, oh, we, I always thought I was half right even though I was wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I don't even know how that goes <laughs> that was the old me I, I, I got rid of that one okay well you know people change like let the leaves out here now. Yeah. so so I think the other piece of advice, I just thought about something to um, specifically for those who um, grew up without a father. Um, and this goes back to my teenage years that one of my excuses that I love to use when I got in my trouble and my fights and all this other stuff. Yeah, she was a fighter. Okay. Check the record. Um, I still got them hands today. Um, <laughs> I heard that. One of the things I, because I, I was, I was an angry teenager for a lot of reasons. Um, but one excuse that I love to use was my father in here. So I got a reason to be angry. I got a reason to fight you. I got a reason to lay my hands on you because he ain't here. And I really had to get to a point. I think it was around junior year when I had to get my life together. <laughs> Because, you know, college started looking around junior year and I was like, all right, I can't keep fighting because I'm going to be working at Kroger for the rest of my life. <laughs> Not next to me. <laughs> be at Kroger for the rest of my life. You 46, still a cashier. Um, so, um, I, I would definitely say that if you find that you're in a, a situation where you're in a single parent home, don't use the absence of a parent whether it's your mother or a father as a crutch or as an excuse as to why you can't do something um i had to get rid of that excuse because at the end of the day um i could not be 2021 still fighting and then be in jail be like oh my daddy ain't here they ain't trying to hit that that and that's true you know so i had to make a decision early on you like you know what ashley he's not here you can't change it it's just it is what it is Make the best of this situation. Let's let's go out here, crush your dreams, and get it moving. Like you cannot, that cannot be an excuse anymore. So yeah, hmm. that's my other little tip. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, look at that dropping dimes. Oh. Right? You know, a little wisdom. There it is. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> so this was a really good episode. Any final words from anybody? No, I want to like to uh, thank uh, my daughter and her husband for inviting me for this uh, important series. You know, hopefully someone out there uh, in Radio Land will learn something uh, and take something from this and, uh, yeah. and learn from it. And they can talk to their uh, significant others and somebody else can learn for it. So we just conti- continuously, you know, you know, cut that chain off of us. Yeah, and, and try to do the right thing. So I, I'm gonna continue trying to do the right thing. I'm gonna, you know, I'm human. I'm continuing to make the uh, some mistakes, but hopefully, right. you know, I'm learning from it. And my mistakes are gonna be a lot smaller than just having this conversation for almost the last hour now. 
it's made me kind of reshape even the way I was before I walked into the mm-hmm. radio station. Nice. So, uh, you know, I got some things to talk about to, to my wife when I get back home and say, hey, I should be doing this or maybe I should be doing this or maybe I should be doing this to the grandkids to kind of help and mold them and kind of be uh, more of a father figure uh, to everybody. Because I'll be the first one to point out your flaws. But I don't want I don't want nobody else to tell me about my flaws. Mm-hmm. That's the way I've always been. So you know, again, it's uh it's it's tough. And I think my wife told me that a couple of weeks ago. You don't never want to hear nobody else's opinion about you. And I, you know, now I think about it, I'm like, yep, you're right. So I, I I need to change that. So if my wife is out there and say, hey, thank you for that conversation, and uh, I'm gonna try to do better. And I'll, I'll finish out and say, you know, Ashley, uh, she was very. Uh, up front and I appreciate uh, her letting me know how she felt and some of the struggles and obstacles that she had to get through uh, when I was an absentee father but uh, you know I love her she's done great and the best thing she can do I thought I tell the kids the most important thing in your life that you, you gotta get right because you don't get this right everything else gonna be bad and if you decide to, to, to marry someone Make sure you get that right. It just makes life a lot more easier. Yes, God. Yeah, and, and she found a godly <laughs> man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like to say luck, but, uh, you know, a lot of other people say, you know, you're lucky to find a good man. So, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, uh, thank Mr. Epps uh, for being a, a great, 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 great husband to my daughter. So. You trying to butter me up? No. I, <laughs> remember, I ain't changed that much. I'm keeping it real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I appreciate that, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad that I felt the energy in the room, and uh, yeah. we we felt like we uh we made some some strides today. Yeah, and that's good. Positivity. Yes, I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. So, another great episode in our family series. Mm-hmm. Super, super duper excited. We just want to thank all our listeners out there again for tuning in to our episodes on a weekly basis. Um, again, you can find us on all our social media outlets. As Phil would like to say, we are on everything. <laughs> we own everything. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. We own all of it. So be sure to check us out on all those social media outlets. Subscribe. Um, yep. Subscribe. Like. Comment. Any questions? Um, you know, any feedback? Please feel free to let us know. But until next time, everybody, remember: love is patient, love is kind. We'll see you all here next time. Peace. Cool. Cool.